The mechanic is in here on KFGO. Bruce Becker is from A1 Automotive and Transmission Service in Moorhead, Minnesota, but serves you wherever you are. Is on the line with us now and ready to take your questions. Bruce, welcome back. Hey, so glad to be here on this wintry day. Oh my gosh, it is so wintry out there. And those rogue conditions are not good out there. I know, JJ, you got another call about Highway 13, which we know had a tragic accident this morning. Um, but just complete ice covered down there. Was that right? Complete ice coverage. Uh, the, the caller, the road warrior said, go extremely slow. Extremely yeah. slow. Slow down. Visibility's not great. So it's just, Bruce, good news. We've got uh, we got some real winter weather for you when you get back to our neck of the woods. Yeah, we really do. Yep. Uh, yep. And, you know, this is one of those things. When winter lasts too long, People, they got to control their frustration. Right. Well, let me. So, Bruce, let me ask a question right off the bat. So, we've had two significant snow events, and on both of these, I've had to drive into work before the plow trucks can really take care of most of the roads, which means I'm driving in some fairly deep snow, especially when I hit areas where it's been kind of bulked up and and we've got some drifts. My car started driving a little weird. After that last one, is it possible that I've just put too much snow into my tires and my undercarriage? It certainly can really pack in, especially around your brakes. And so if you're driving through super deep snow, always remember that the brakes can be affected by this. And two things, if you drive through a whole bunch of snow and you stop and you go, holy cow, this baby barely stops. Or... You stop and go in for the night, and the brakes actually freeze on because the brakes are hot. They melt the snow. They freeze, and sometimes it's difficult to get going. So what do I do in that case? Should I be heading over to the car wash and just running it through there? Can I poke a little bit at it with my scraper? You know, it should take care of itself pretty fast. I mean, if the, if the wheels are just full of snow, it should take it take care of itself pretty fast. But the good thing is that, um, you know, we're actually seeing some temperatures that aren't so freezing, so the snow will come out. If it gets to be where you feel like you're unsafe, then you could try the car wash, or you might have to get inside somewhere. Okay, let's get to the phone lines. Bruce, Randy has called in for you. Randy, go ahead. Hey, Bruce, how's it going today? It's a great day. What's uh, your opinion on uh, deleting the dynamic fuel management on a 2020 Chevy pickup? Certainly lots of aftermarket things that can do this. If you're not out of warranty, I wouldn't delete it. If you absolutely hate it, then, you know, I can't stop you from doing it. I always feel that, you know, manufacturers spent millions of dollars making this so it'll get the best mileage ever. But there certainly is some issues that we think are coming up on it. And the number one issue is that we're seeing that there's some motor damage happening from when the fuel management is shutting the some of the cylinders off and we're starting to see some lifter and cam failures because of it. And no one's going to admit that that's a problem, but in the aftermarket, we're making that assumption that that's why there is so much failure. So certainly wouldn't tell you not to do it. I might struggle to delete it on my own car. Well, that's the way I'm looking at it, but my daughter's uh, 
Yukon had the same issues, took lifters out of it and the whole business. So I I don't know. It's I really, really it's... common. It's really, really common. And and to get it, the, the, the way they delete it is really, really simple. So, you know, if you don't want that to happen again, um, uh, if you've already paid the price once, I still think, I still keep thinking that someday that, General Motors is going to recall some of these cars because the problem is so widespread. And it's not only GM. Some of the Chrysler products are having a little problem with this, too. Well, all right. Thanks for the advice. Uh, I don't know. I just don't want my uh, my truck just to uh, put a motor down with only 20,000 miles on it. So. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and we have seen some go down as early as 60,000. And, of course, what does that mean? It got out of warranty. Exactly. Mm. All right. Well, thanks, Bruce. Have a great day. Thanks for the call, Randy. We are taking your calls on the Laney Studio line at 237-5948. You can also text Bruce a question at our Adventure RV Text Club at 35270. You know, I've been getting around just fine so far this winter, and I really attribute it to my new tires. We talk about it every time you're on, Bruce, but those snow tires or these tires that are actually rated for these kinds of conditions are so important this time of year. They really are. And tires have changed so much in the last two, three, four years. And there is amazing tires out there. And the choices get bigger and bigger that we can find the right tire for your car. And these tires are quiet. They have great winter traction. They have great summer driving. And the tread's wearing a long time. So it's a win, win, win. And if you're slipping around, don't wait. New tires are like new tennis shoes. Your feet never feel better, and your car will never drive better. <laughs> uh, let's get to our text club. 2011 Suburban check engine light on for oil pressure sensor. I've replaced the sensor three times in a month and still same code. I've heard it could be an O-ring or oil pump. Should I change oil and filter and see what happens? Probably not. Probably not. If you replace the oil sender... And underneath the oil sender, if you've replaced the screen, I would stick a manual gauge into that port and see what's going on. You are exactly right that inside the pan, there's an O-ring on the oil pump pickup. And so the pan will have to be removed, and you get that feed tube out in that oil pan, that oil feed pickup tube, that that O-ring is going bad. Okay, hopefully that helps. This is The Mechanic is in on KFGO, taking all of your questions until 2 o'clock. Is Bruce Beckeris from A1 Automotive and Transmission Service. Again, taking your calls at 237-5948, your texts at 35270. This is It Takes Two, Amy Eiler, JJ Gordon, here until 2 o'clock. Now, now. At 35270, let's get to some of the messages. Someone says, my 2003 Jeep needs a master brake cylinder. Should I buy a remanufactured or factory new one? Big price difference, they say. A remanufactured one should be just fine. We aren't seeing big issues with those at all. Um, Be sure that if you're the person putting in there, that you understand how to bleed the master cylinder first. Sometimes this is uh, quite technical if this is hooked right onto the ABS unit. Okay. 
Let's take a look at this. Uh, was waiting in line for a car wash. My turn to pull in and my vehicle shuts off. It started back up and no problem since. Anything I need to worry about? Could it have been a sharp change in temperature? We're talking about a 2016 Silverado. You know, I can't really tell you why it would have shut off randomly, but if it never happened again, even the best mechanic will have a hard time diagnosing mm -hmm. why it happened. So if, I hate to have you have this in the back of your mind that you feel your car is undependable, but if we don't duplicate it, um, who knows why it turned off? I just We just can't come up with a great answer for that. Interesting. Uh, 2010 Honda Pilot started making a large rumbling sound muffler maybe how can i check the condition of a muffler other ideas well if it's a large rumbling sound if it's sitting still in gear the first thing with all the snow and the ice that we have if ice gets jammed up in the motor mount it will make a sound like you cannot believe so the very first thing that i would say is if there's a rumbling noise and it's at the light or it's at slow speeds at low RPM, I would first think that ice is underneath the car just covering the motor mount so that, you know, what happens here is the motor's hot, the snow gets up there, it melts down, then the wind blows by it and freezes it, and now you have a giant ice cube. So the very first rumbling sound, we would say, is ice underneath the car wedged between not only the muffler but the motor mount. Okay. Someone says, does ethanol gas have a shelf life? All gas has a shelf life now, and none of it's very long. So three months is a long time for gas with ethanol in it. And all of the gas sold in Minnesota and North Dakota, unless it says for non-oxygenated fuel, like for a lawn or a boat, has ethanol in it. And three months is a long time. There is some products that you can put in your fuel to make the shelf life longer. Um, stable, S-T-A-B-I-L. Um, it's called um, Tecron. It's made by Chevron. That is supposed to be good for shelf life of gas. And, oh, I'm drawing a blank. The last one is in a white can. I'll think of it before we end here, but there's three things that I would recommend. And But over three months on ethanol gas, the volatility definitely goes down. And when is the volatility of gas most affected? When it's cold. Okay. Uh, someone else says, how do I shut off my traction control so it stays off so I don't get stuck in the snow? If your car has a button that has traction control or anti-skid, that's how it shuts off. If your car doesn't have that, about the only way you could ever do it is get into the fuse box and pull the fuse. Traction control is disheartening if you're stuck because it won't let you rev up the motor. And of course, that's one of the great things about traction control is that it literally stops abuse to your car because it just won't do it. So you can't break your car because traction control works. The bad part is, is that you want to be in control and you want to try to spin the wheels a bunch and you're trying to shut it off. So the very first way to find out how to shut it off, take your specific car, Google it, 
and say, how do I shut off my trash control? That's the very best way, <laughs> and that's where I would start. Bruce, someone texted in, you were looking for sea foam, weren't you? I was looking for sea foam. Jeez, I'm just brain dead today. Sea foam. Oh, it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's all <laughs> there that we tanning. Go. It's the... <laughs> It's all that sun. Yes, must (laughs) be the heat. Uh, Let's get to Jeff real quick. We've got KFG News coming up in a in a moment. But Jeff, do you have a quick question for Bruce? Yeah, hi Bruce. I use foam all the time. It's great. Anyways, uh, I got just bought a 2000 Ford Focus. What what's your recommendations on a? It's got 96,000 miles. What's your recommendations on a timing belt? Um. The first question is, are you sure it has a timing belt? And if it does, yes. If it, yes. If it does have a timing belt, I would get a timing belt. If you know it hasn't been done, I would get a timing belt put in there at a before at a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Okay, yeah. I yeah. heard hundred and twenty. I wasn't sure that I should I think, let it go I think that a good piece, I think a good piece of mind, a hundred thousand in that range. Um, it's, it would be easy. To, I, I'm not at my computer right now, but it would be easy to see what the factory recommendation is in there. But personally, I would have a hard time letting it go more than 100000 Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have Thanks, a great Jeff. day. More of your questions for Bruce Becker is when we come back on The Mechanic is in on KFGO. The mechanic is in. Bruce Beckers from A1 Automotive and Transmission Service in Moorhead, Minnesota, is taking all of your automotive questions. And I'm seeing some of them come in here to our Adventure RV Text Club at 35270. Uh, does premium at the pump have ethanol, I believe, is where we left off, Bruce? Yes. In most cases, premium does have ethanol unless it has that sign on there saying non-oxygenated. So even the 92 and 91s have ethanol in them. Uh, there is a few gasoline stations that have aviation gas, which is 104 octane. That does not have ethanol in it. But most pump gas has ethanol in it, including premium. Okay. Uh, what is the difference between turbocharged and EcoBoost? Same. Turbocharged and EcoBoost is the Ford's, Ford's term for turbocharge is EcoBoost. So it's an economical car with a small motor with a turbocharger on it. Okay. Did I miss one down here? 2020 Ford Edge. Did I miss that? That's Yep. We need that one. Yeah. Okay. 2020 Ford Edge drove through several heavy drifts and a panel under my engine fell down. We disconnected it. Do I need to get a new one put on or can I... Drive without it. Yep, leave it in your garage. Leave okay. it in your garage. Ford, Ford, Ford is famous for all kinds of covers under the car. The covers are like a compressed plastic felt material, and they come off very easily. And many times after several oil changes, the fasteners don't work very well, and they fall off, and they drag on the ground. and and it's a really great idea to make the car quiet, but in our climate, maybe not as needed as you think. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right, I've got a question about a 2002 Nissan Altima. The air won't blow at all, hot or cold. They can set the temperature, but nothing comes out of the vents. 
Okay. Well, the very first thing, can we hear the blower motor working? That would be the very first thing, that the blower motor's not functioning at all. Several things could cause that. The blower motor itself, a fuse, there's a blower motor resistor control, those things. If it doesn't blow at all, something related to the blower motor. Okay. Uh, this is a Honda Pilot. They've got a rough idle and the check engine light is blinking. When they are at a stoplight or a stop sign, the car idle is rough and the car is rough and the shake, uh, the engine keeps shaking and the check engine light is blinking. Whenever the check engine light is blinking, it tells you that emission damage could happen. So that's why it blinks on you. That means that you should get some immediate attention. That doesn't mean you can't drive it to the, to the shop, but know that when that's blinking, it tends to damage the catalytic converters. There is some widespread problems with Honda Pilots that they're falling out a couple spark plugs. And so if it's running right rough, especially at idle, the first thing is to get it in somewhere to see, first of all, in scan data, you can tell what cylinder is missing. And so what we would do there is we go there and we see what cylinder misses and we move the spark plug to a different hole and bring a different plug over there. If it ends, we know it's the plug. We're seeing some of these cars that there's an oil consumption issue on the one cylinder and it tends to take the plugs down. Um, does that mean it have, the motor has to be rebuilt? It doesn't mean it, but sometimes you're going to deal with this every five to 8,000 miles. Okay. Sticking with the Honda Pilot, this is the uh, 2017 car alarm goes off randomly. And so that's going to take some diagnosis to figure out. But usually what we would start looking at is, is it, is it, is one of the door sensors going bad? So the hatch sensor, the door sensor, and is it being opened? Is it showing open when it's not? So through the through the theft, it, we just have to look and see if we can figure out where it's setting it off, and that's why it would go off randomly. Okay. Uh, I feel like my pilots are getting attacked today. What's happening? That's our third Honda pilot question. What's it's going just on? It's the way it goes, you know. They joined the club. <laughs> How's the clock in your car, Amy? Do you want to ask Bruce about that one? No, I yeah. So yeah. Amy's clock. Oh, yeah. No, it is. There is an issue with my clock. I forget about that. I just have come to live with <laughs> not it. Not trusted. Just not trusted I just don't all. trust it. Yeah. No, my clock randomly, I'll set it to the right time, and then it gets faster and faster and faster, and pretty soon it's 10, 15 minutes, and then I reset it back to the right time, and then it just gets faster and faster. I don't know if anyone else with a pilot has experienced this, but... I was and telling JJ, I'm like, I wait until it's about 10 to 15 minutes, and then I, then I go. Well, you're never late then. You're yeah. never late. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it's but better I, to be in one direction than the other. True. But, I mean, Bruce, I would say that she's, you know, telling tales out of school, but we were riding in her car one day, and we said it, and then the next thing I know, yeah, it just, it's like it's it taking faster. 56 seconds instead of 60 yeah. seconds. And is the clock separate from the radio, or is it, is it with the radio? No, it's with the radio. So chances are something's happened to the radio that's doing this. So um, uh, hard to say where you're going to go hmm. with this, but if it bugs you enough, 
we might have to we'll do some research for you and it try to doesn't. figure out an answer. It doesn't bother yeah. me too much. I just let it, it do its it thing. It, it bothers JJ and I know how you guys are crashing <laughs> back and forth every day. So I mean I hate to have JJ bothered by this. <laughs> it's just it's doing its own thing. I don't like to I don't like to try to, you know, tell it what to do. It can do its own thing. It's fine. I've got a watch and a cell phone. I can figure out what time it is. No worries. Perfect. Um, Perfect. Any, oh, we do have a call. Let's get to that before we get to these. Someone says that you're driving too fast. <laughs> it's an optical <laughs> illusion. Okay. I, time warp. Not that fast. Okay, Joe. Joe, you're on with Bruce. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a 2004 Toyota Camry, and it's been locking itself while it's running or... Well, the keys are inside. It always seems to be the keys are inside or it's running, and it won't let me unlock the doors with a fob, an extra fob, or an extra key. So I have to manually break into my own car. And so do you use the key in the door, or it won't even let the door open with the key? Or do you have no keyhole? I have a key, and when I try to open the door or trunk, it's just solid lock. When I have my, when I've uh, tried to use my fob, my spare fob, nothing. Hmm. Yep, that, that's going to be, chance, chances are there's going to be something with the lock module itself. There's going to be a control through that lock module. Um, again, that will require research, which you can start if you start looking on the Internet about this. I'm sure that you'll find more information about this because that's where we'll go right away. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. good luck to you. Yep. If you want our help, we can certainly try to figure this out for you. But but the very okay, first okay. stop is that we're going to start digging in the internet. Yep. I see. You got it. Thank yep. you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Joe. Uh, let's get to Jim. Jim, you're on with Bruce. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a. Uh... 2002 Toyota Camry with mm-hmm. a 2.4 liter, and yeah. it uses a lot of oil. And someone said something about the variable timing or valve timing could be causing that. Have you heard of that? Really not. Usually, if we have a lot of oil consumption, we always try to look at what the crankcase ventilation is. It used to be that every car had what was called PCV valve, positive crankcase ventilation. But now they've vented through the valve covers in other ways. So that would be the very first step to see. And the very first thing while it was running, we would pull the oil cap off while it's running and feel if there's vacuum pulling on the oil cap. That would be the first indication that for some reason the motor's not venting correctly and virtually vacuuming the oil out of the motor. When it does this, many times it vacuums it right into the combustion, and it doesn't leak, and it doesn't make it over full. It just sends the oil out the exhaust. So yeah, the and the step. other thing is it, it doesn't smoke at all. But yeah, that, that, would be, that would be where I look. The second step I would do, if it had an oil cooler on it, I would look in the radiator just to be sure that oil is not going in the radiator because that's the other place it could go if it had an oil cooler on it. Now, I don't think that a 2.4 liter Camry would have an oil cooler, but I would definitely 
at least take a second when the car is cool to get the radiator cap off to be sure that that's not being contaminated by engine oil. Yeah, and that part's clear. All right, sounds good. Good luck. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Let's get to Mark. Mark is next. Go ahead. You're on with Bruce. Hi, guys. Yeah, Bruce, I got a 2001 Chevy Silverado with about 150000 on it. Pretty low mileage for that year, but the brakes, every once in a blue moon, you, you squash them and they go to nothing. They just squash right out. I even left it with the mechanic here in town, and and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. If those brakes go to the floor randomly, the very well, they kind of make a funny sound. They make make so, a funny sound. So yeah, go ahead. Do do the ABS kicks in, so you feel it. You feel it make the buzz noise, and then it goes. It feels like it's going to the floor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if that's the case, something's going on with the wheel speed sensor. It might not turn on the ABS light. You would think in 2001 it would have one sensor in the rear and one on each front wheel. And if one of those sensors drop out, it'll make you feel like there's no brake. It really doesn't. No have way. Any, it really doesn't have anything to do with no brake, but it makes the pedal feel soft. Thanks, Mark, for your call. Appreciate it. We'll get to Tom when we come back and try to sneak in a few more questions here on The Mechanic Is In. Bruce Becker is here with us until 2 o'clock on KFGO. Mechanic is in just a few more minutes here. Tom, Tom, you were on with Bruce. Go ahead. Hey, uh, your caller with the door lock issues made me think of this, but uh, we've got the, uh, a 19 CRV and a 22 Odyssey both Honda. And uh, is there a way that you can get it to lock the doors while it's still running? Uh, they both have the proximity key, and uh, you can't get out of the car uh, and, and, like, walk into the post office or something and leave the car running and lock the doors. Nope. I, in my opinion, I don't think you can overcome it. I, I, they have, you know, they the security is so great now, I don't think you can overcome it without if you could leave the key in the car, and, of course, that's the worst idea ever because everybody wants your car now. So, in my opinion, I don't think you can overcome it. You can close the door, then re-auto start your car with the door locked, and that's the way you can yep. leave it running. But as far as the yep. key, you just can't do it. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, if we can get, maybe can we sneak a little bit in here? Uh 2005 Bonneville engine heats up to 190 or whatever the thermostat is set for. Blower motor works fine and blows air, but no heat comes into the cabin. Oh, is there more to this one? No, that's it. Okay. We would check the temperature of the heater hoses going in and out. If they're hot going in and out, something's wrong with the blend doors inside the car that don't flip over and make heat. Okay. Um, I turned my wipers when they were frozen to the windshield. Now they work, but now very erratically. What may be the fix? 
Usually when they work erratically after they've been frozen down, there's what's called wiper transmission. It's not really a transmission. It's all the linkage underneath the cowling there, and that gets messed up. If the wipers get frozen down and they're erratic, that would be the first place to look. If that is not the case, then something's happened to the wiper motor. We might have to take some of Afternoons Live. The, the questions just keep coming in, but we don't have any more time. Bruce Beckers, if someone wants to call you for your expert opinion over there at A1 Automotive and Transmission Service, how should they do that? You can always call us at 218-233-6161. And um, if, you, uh, if they'd like to come visit you, where should they head? You can come 2627 16th Avenue South, just 11 blocks north of the Morad Menards and one block west on 16th Avenue, and we're ready to check your car. Sounds good. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. See you soon. It's a great day. See you soon.